0: The car you drive every day should be fun.
1: But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries.
0: You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this
1: is the Everyday Driver Car Today. Welcome back, everyone. We are always striving for fresh, interesting, creative new content to fill your ears as you're driving or as you're standing or sitting or traveling, wherever you're at. We are back.
0: Yeah. Board in the airport security line. Hey, we here for you. That's, exactly. that's what we're trying for. Yep, yep.
1: We have got uh, a podcast that is no different. As a matter of fact, it's a bit unique. Even though we do have two car debates, we've got a funny story to share with you. But I want to mm-hmm. talk to you about these debates first before we get there. The first one is from Andrew. He is in downtown Dallas, Texas, and he writes yep. to us recently. His commuting is actually a pair of walking shoes. He walks to work. Yep, that's and pretty cool. It, it is cool. And he's got a Corvette, a C6 Corvette, 2007, that he's just <laughs> – he's a creative writer. And, Andrew, there's some funny stuff in here, which I really enjoyed. Definitely, yeah, yeah. He's writing to us because I think he, he's seeing some writing on the wall about possibly moving on from the Corvette. He's had it so yeah. long that he's kind of thinking it might he's be He's realizing
0: The time is coming. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. I look forward to talking about that one for sure. Yeah, it's going to be cool because he's actually he's got a decent budget and he's got a a lot of ideas for different places to go. That'll be fun to talk about.
1: Oh, yeah. And your your little side comments in here, Andrew. Clearly, you're listening to the podcast. You've listened to a lot of them (laughs) and he's referencing other episodes that we've done. Really hilarious. Just a fantastic read here.
0: Well, what's funny is in the, well, I'll get there in a minute. But, yeah, you're right. There's all types of references to other people that we've recommended to. Yeah. Some of who you actually know, which is kind of cool. So, all right. Shout out to, to crazy things going on in Dallas. Apparently, we have a bigger uh, audience there than we realized.
1: I have a list of three, six, seven, eight cars, maybe more for you, oh, Andrew. Oh, frightening. Okay. All I right. I cannot well, wait to share these.
0: <laughs> I didn't go that far, but, wow, we'll get there. Okay. Just we've all those also ideas got, so. sparked
1: mine. It was great. <laughs>
0: There you go. We've also got Ryan writing to us from LA. And he is wanting a full-on project truck. And my first initial question is, um, you know what we do here, right? <laughs> project <laughs> trucks is not really our thing. But project we're trucks. going to talk about Com. it anyway. Everyday project So trucks. yeah. Exactly, exactly. So uh, maybe we need to start that offshoot. So Ryan has asked that question and we are going to tackle it as best we can. Of course, Facebook questions coming up as well. Uh, And we have to mention it. Guess what? We're a couple weeks out from our pilgrimage trip to Germany and Belgium. I know we're beating it to death, but mainly because it's on our brain and we're excited. And actually, thank you to the many of you who have said you couldn't go this year for various reasons, are hoping we do it next year. We are hoping and planning for the same. So more info to come on that. But I have to acknowledge that Friday, September thirtieth. We've been talking about it. If you're a German listener and want to join us, we're going to go somewhere and grab some dinner. Uh, last week, uh, actually, yeah, last week Paul brought up uh, Klassikstad, which I'm sure we're pronouncing wrong. Uh, that was we mentioned to us are. by yeah, exactly. Mentioned That's to okay. us by one of our listeners and. Uh, and we are seriously thinking about doing the meetup there. And meanwhile, Akim, who's been listening to us forever, thank you for writing because it was your idea to do this meetup. You've said you're coming, so somebody's coming. So there you go. There you go. He, he's even going to bring some friends. So um, yeah, if you're in the Germany area, if you're in, well, I should clarify, Germany is not a small country. It's not like I'm saying, hey, if you're in Rhode Island, no. Uh, <laughs> if if you're in, if you're in and around Frankfurt if on that on night, the of September thirtieth. Maybe. Exactly. Drive on over. Come on. Come on it's over. It's small. Come on man. I know my geography. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. But if it's close enough, you'd like to come join us. We'd love to see you. So we are going to continue to mention that until we have that uh, meeting. And it is, we're kind of honing in on that place, too, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah, this is cool. And one more thing, item of note. Before we move on to the funny story, that is, we've only got one podcast this week, as you are probably imagining, due to some travel. So it's just this podcast for the week, but we will be back in the subsequent weeks. And then we're going to do some fun stuff. We're going to be talking to the guys on the pilgrimage trip. Surprise. Mm
0: -hmm. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk to the people that are going on the trip.
1: We want to get their live reactions, is why. Yeah, yeah. Share that with you, with you listening.
0: Yeah, we're hoping it's going to be kind of like the Chicago track day thing was, but obviously not in Chicago for those people following along at home. Uh, and then, actually, when we get back, we've got a few guests lined up for the last quarter of the year. We want to get a few guests on the podcast as well, so we aren't uh, we aren't sitting still much, except of course, I guess when we do the podcast. Anyway, that that kind of failed, but we should move on to a ridiculously <laughs> funny story that one of you wrote to us. In fact, one of our patrons, uh, Mark, wrote to us and was actually wrote to us about a couple of things. But Mark, <laughs> you are you are my new favorite listener, at least for this <laughs> podcast. And I, I want I want Paul to tell the story because I keep laughing every time i think about it this is an awesome podcast related story
1: we just got this email in our inbox just prior to recording as a matter of fact and we're both reading it and saying yes we have to share this with everybody mark i hope you're okay with that Mm -hmm. (laughs) the title of his email (laughs) the title here is apologizing if necessary so we think okay click on the email and he says yeah. he's very sorry for being distracting on the Hangout call. And those of you who are patrons at the highest level, yeah. we do a monthly Hangout call just to talk about what's next and share some inside information. And it's just a way to connect with our highest level paid patron members. Which is cool. Which very is fun. which is great. And it's a lot of fun. And a lot of people join as they can, which is fine, which is nice. So here he was trying to connect at work. And things were – he was getting hung up on and, and – tech was overruling his abilities apparently and uh we mm-hmm. couldn't hear him for a while and it was just fine we we were hoping we could get a hold of you and uh he said you know first time on the google hangouts but apparently his 97 year old grandmother could handle the tech better than he so no worries no worries we hey, got next time
0: and it, and it wasn't disruptive but but what's funny is you've talked about how much you like the podcast mm-hmm. and how much you listen to the podcast because you drive a lot and then <laughs> you're in Colorado, and you were driving down a canyon outside Grand Junction, Colorado, merrily listening to the podcast and apparently driving quickly because you got pulled over.
1: <laughs> apparently, Mark got a ticket because the state trooper was not interested in an excuse. Look, I'm listening to the podcast about cars. I'm an enthusiast. I'm a driver here. Can you <laughs> have a little bit of you know mercy? And apparently not. One thing you did forget to mention here, Mark, is how fast did he get you going here for? I mean – Yeah,
0: what was was that ticket? How expensive an episode of the podcast was that for you, Mark? And then there's that that second part of me that goes, should we ask the question of what's the strangest place or strangest thing that's happened while listening to the podcast? And then I think no. I'm very curious. Oh, yes. Bring it. But here's here's the problem. I think those stories are quickly going to make this a not (laughs) family-friendly podcast. That's my concern. The speeding ticket thing is funny. (laughs) but uh, but i am i'm a little alarmed at where some of those answers might come from because we might end up with people just trying to create creative moments listening to the podcast but listening while getting a speeding ticket is my new favorite mark so thank you for sharing
1: that is funny i'll say you know if you do decide to write to us use discretion be cool be cool about it and then <laughs> it'll all be cool all right so i'm curious i actually i i was going to suggest how many other people have gotten speeding tickets or pulled over while listening to the podcast is mark the first
0: hey, i'm officer, wondering do you like cars? <laughs> you might like this. If you listen to podcasts, that that's the new crazy thing to get shared. That's ridiculous but funny. You know what? Oh, wow. That
1: made me think of an idea. If anybody listening is a police officer, I'm curious about some stories. Share some stories with us that we could talk about on the air here on the podcast about pulling people over. What's the craziest excuse people have given to you about trying to get out of a ticket? <laughs> I'd like to hear that. I'm, I'm sure we, we've got some police officers listening somewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And how much of their time do they spend listening to the podcast? Podcasts in general, I'd be curious about that as well. But anyway, I mean, it's a great way to fill days in general. I feel like i keep picking up other podcasts i listen to i'll listen to an episode randomly here and there of all kinds of podcasts and it is amazing how addictive i mean i've liked audiobooks forever and i still really do but uh, it's amazing how addictive podcasts can get because you can just expose yourself to so many different types of just interests and thinking and all that kind of stuff even if you don't hang on to that podcast i just find myself picking up random ones and going oh i'll listen to that so mm-hmm. yeah it happens sure.
1: sure yeah i mean i'm into the finance and business side of things and And uh, what else? Yeah, there's just so many good ones. And it seems to be the podcast world seems to be expanding like crazy. I
0: mean, they've been around for
1: years and years now, but they just still seem to be growing in popularity. And hopefully we're fulfilling a niche and dreams. And yeah, just talking cars. We just get on and just talk cars because it's what we love to do. So thanks for joining us. We've got a bunch of people talking about cars here. Two in particular, as we mentioned, Andrew. And we also got Ryan out in L.A., And Andrew Mm -hmm. is the Dallas guy with the Corvette. So you got to hear his story. It's hilarious.
0: I have to jump to one thing he said kind of in passing near the bottom, and then I want you to get in his story further. But he makes a comment where he said he got to drive, where is it? It's in here. I swear it is. This is a long email. He got to drive a Chevy SS. Oh, yeah. Because his friend Stu. Is the guy on the podcast who we told, "Please, please don't buy a typhoon." So apparently there's a little clique of you in Dallas that are listening to the podcast, and uh, <laughs> <This> <laughs> I just cool. love that you know you know him. <laughs> you've had the typhoon discussion. Love to have been a fly on the wall while listening to that podcast. But uh, that's very fun. So you've got <laughs> uh, this corvette that you're realizing. I love it. I thought I'd always have it, but okay, it's got 120,000 miles, and now it's to that what is that noise? era of car ownership, which is yeah. terrible, where you're driving along, and you go, wait, what is that new rattle? Wait, what is that creek? Um, am I going to have to fix that? That's a terrible place to be. So you're going, OK, it may be time to get rid of this car.
1: The hole in your checkbook gets bigger and bigger as you drive. That's never a good thing. It should only happen with track mm-hmm. cars, not your daily or not your fun <laughs> car. But it's, it's the nature of what we do. It's the hole down which we pour money, as my dad says. Yes, it
0: is. Sailing yes, is, it is like
1: standing in a cold shower, ripping up $1,000 bills. So I'm wondering, what is car ownership and racing and track time like? <laughs> I, I'm just wondering. Anyway. Frightening. Well, Andrew has swallowed hard and emailed to us here because I think he's seeing the writing on the wall here. He's got mm-hmm. this Corvette with 120,000 miles that he bought at age 23. So he has done rallies. He actually called out the Dust Ball Rally, which I went to the website here, and looks really interesting, actually. looks pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year it was in the Pacific Northwest, which uh, I love that area up there in Oregon and Washington. Love that area as well. But uh, the car has started to give him fits and starts and started to really cost him some money here. And uh, he's writing to us to say, should I keep it or should I sell it? And that's really the bottom line here. And he's got the pros and cons list. He's got options about what to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's Not long. Not kidding around. Yep. But it's, it's funny. Yep. It's, it's really engaging. It's a good read here. So he's got a fiance. The Corvette is what he taught his now fiance to drive stick shift in. And he's picked up a Miata 1995 NA, so the first generation Miata, mm-hmm. that he's turning into a track car. Again, he listened to our live Chicago show. And found Brad. Listen to Brad. That was in the room. He was one of the members at mm-hmm. Audubon. Country yeah, he was Club. live
0: there. Yeah, and trying to sell his Spec Miata that was <laughs> yeah. already all tricked out and ready for the track. Yeah.
1: So he's got the track car covered. They are buying his fiance's dad's pickup truck for weekend work and hauling stuff. And now that will probably be the truck with which you haul your track car to the track. So they've got <laughs> both of these areas covered,
0: and the Corvettes
1: mm-hmm. looking them in the eye and going, "What are you going to do with me?"
0: Now what? Yeah, on. yeah, yeah.
1: So here we go. We're diving in with a budget of about fifty k. But he knows it's us. He knows it's me. So <laughs> He's heard. <we'll> you've <laughs> heard
0: the podcast, and you know whatever number we give you, we're going uh, to ignore it and we'll go tack above on ten grand it. Yeah. instantly.
1: Fifty k, sixty k. You mean?
0: <laughs> and, wow. Uh, we are we are not a financial uh, uh, recommendation podcast. I want to put that out there right now. We are the we are the you shouldn't have spent that amount of money podcast. You spend but hopefully how much? You'll have some fun.
1: Congratulations, good
0: job. <laughs> Somebody saw you coming. We actually have a friend. I, I wish I was making this up. We actually have a friend named Joel. Who the running joke with our friend Joel, and I cannot believe I'm going to share this because it actually exists. But he is a guy who kind of likes cars. I mean, he has cars he, he loves, but he kind of likes cars. And somewhere along the way, he kind of fell into Porsches and has, has owned Porsches. And he likes Porsches. D- please don't get me wrong. He, he likes his Porsche cars, but he's not a guy that's ever going to go track them. He just enjoys driving them. He's just a normal driver. What's hysterical about this story is that for reasons I genuinely cannot wrap my brain around, he has a habit when he takes his car in for service of leaving with a different car. He goes and this in, isn't the loaner either. For,
1: this isn't the dealer no, no. loaner. This
0: is, I'm here for an oil change. Oh, you know what? Just <laughs> keep that car, and buy this new one. He's done this multiple times, to the point that when we see this this poor man, uh, we, we we always ask him what he's driving, because it is that common for him to go in, and instead of just getting the car serviced, just get a different Porsche and leave.
1: Well. I, I Wow.
0: I mean, he yeah. He had a, uh, what,
1: 2014 or 2015 911 Carrera 4S that had a rock puncture in the front radiator, <laughs> which is an expensive repair. And he took it, it in is. to get fixed, and he eyeballed the showroom and kind of went, what's that over there? What do you oh. have in the showroom over there? And he left with a brand new Macan GTS.
0: Brand new. Money. Yeah, anyway. I Done. mean it's hey, you like Porsches and you have the money to do it, so good on you, man. But hey. it just it makes me laugh. So uh yeah, so we're 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 gonna blow through all of uh, all of Andrew's money here, uh, which he said might be able to be stretched to sixty Kablam. grand. So we're gonna stretch it. <laughs> um I what I do like about this though so much is the fact that because of that NA miata and because of the pickup, you really you're you're focused more now on what is the GT car, the car that I can drive, that it can run, that I can drive, I can enjoy it on a fun drive, or if I wanted to be at a track in it or wanted to do this cross-country rally in it, it'll work for that. Uh, but yet it's also just going to be a nice place to be. So it doesn't have to be an extreme vehicle. That's been covered by both the pickup and the Miata, which I really like. The outer edges are covered, Mm -hmm. so we're here in the middle. And you, you go through your pros and cons of keeping or selling the Corvette. And I honestly feel like in spite of your pros for keeping the Corvette, I think you yourself have made a better case for getting rid of it. And I'm just going to go there. I'm just going to say yeah. the Corvette should just go. No offense to it. I'm glad you've loved it. But I, I think you, separate yourself from the nostalgia of what the car has been. Unless, look, if you're a guy who can just keep it and put it somewhere in storage and you've got storage and you've got the money to buy something else, bless you. We'd all like to be that. But I'm assuming you're not. So let's sell the Corvette, get something else. I have some ideas for you. Uh, but I think it is time for a completely different new experience. And I'm, I leaned much more toward GT cars. But I'm curious where you went, Paul.
1: I've got nine. Nine choices here. and Nine? Uh,
0: How yeah. long is this episode going to be?
1: Well, we don't have to break nine each one cars. down. I'll, I'll mention them, and you'll, you'll get an idea <laughs> okay. here. All I'm, right. I'm spending a lot of time in BMW, even though Andrew does really? say the car must be a manual, or <clears throat> PDK. Can you tell where this is going? Yes, Uh we get it, because Andrew has had the pleasure of driving many 911s, and he's driven my car. I mean, not mine, but one like it, the 981 Mm -hmm. Cayman GTS. I hope you liked it. You didn't add any color around I drove it. You just said, well, I drove it. I mean, did you like it? I mean, come on. Well, but he said he drove here. it
0: with PDK, and it made him a believer. I thought that well, was quite yes. a arousing endorsement, yes. though. He That was his first PDK experience, and he walked away going, OK, now I get it. So, I mean, that was definitely the good part of that experience. And so you did. And it sounds like it was part of this rally, because all of these experiences you had in multiple Porsches were up in the Pacific Northwest, which is where that rally went last year. So it connects to that. So it's cool that guys are trading keys on a rally like that. Um I actually I stayed mostly away from Porsche. It sounds like you went BMW. I kind of went all over the map though because I really want to get Andrew into something that's a completely different ownership experience
1: i'm I'm totally with you I am uh all over the map as well, but I think you know where we're headed. Andrew, I think it is time to sell the vet and even though you do say hmm, the obvious choice is a c seven corvette loaded up. It's right in your budget, yes. But
0: I think it would be awesome. It would be awesome. It would be awesome. I agree.
1: I I think both Todd and I are saying to you here, Corvettes, awesome. I think it's time to go taste something else because you can. And Mm -hmm. you have got this opportunity here. So look at it as not a man, you know, I'm getting rid of, you know, the old girl and well, you you had a great time, hundred and twenty thousand miles. Let somebody mm-hmm, else mm-hmm. fix it up and enjoy it. Maybe it's a way for somebody else to get into Corvette ownership,
0: mm, which is great. That's a good point, yeah. I mean, you yeah. want to
1: go, you know, want want baby to go to a good home. And you've got <laughs> sure. this opportunity here to go drive some things. As you're suggesting, I need to drive a GTR, an Evora, ATS-V, maybe Camaro, GT350. You name a lot of usual suspects you wanna, here.
0: Yeah, you want to drive the list for sure, yeah.
1: It's an opportunity to go drive these things. And you could come away and say, you know, I love GTRs, or I hate Jaguar F-types, or I, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. It'll really start to narrow things down for you because you've lived with the camera for so long the Corvette for so long.
0: The Corvette, yeah. I'm going to submit this to you, Andrew, and and Paul and I have talked about this back and forth because we were both very much raised in families where cars just hung out for decades. They were just in our lives. And it's only been because we have the the great benefit to be able to actually drive as many cars as we do that we've started to kind of see things differently in our own lives. It took a long time for either one of us to be like, I'm going to sell that and move on. That's been very difficult. It's only been in the recent few years we've gotten to that place. But I'm going to submit this to you, Andrew. We're going to recommend cars to you now that are away from your Corvette, but I'm going to say to you, we're not recommending cars for you to have for the next decade. Mm-hmm. We're going, you mm-hmm. have the money, go get a car, you have it for a year or two, and you want to move on, move on. Mm-hmm. We're not going to yeah. suggest cars because this is your car for how, okay, that is the that is the greatest thing about cars versus something like, let's be honest, your spouse. You can just keep trading cars. That's sure. easy. Sure. You know, just, okay, yeah. I like this, it's great, but I'm going to sell it and move on. So that's what's cool. I have uh, I have five but I want to mention one that you already brought up, and that is the 997 uh, 911. So it's not the current Gen 911. The 997 911, so that's 05 to 2012. I'm probably off by a year in either direction there. You actually brought up specifically the 9972, because if you know Porsche nomenclature, they do a point .1 and a point .2 of each generation. and The point .2 is obviously refined. <laughs> uh, I would say either of those, the one or the two. The thing I like about the 997 for you over the Cayman is I'm very much thinking GT and life experience car. Uh, if you told me you were getting an all-in-one, needs to be a track car, etc., I would lean you a little more toward Cayman because obviously we like the Cayman a lot. It is the better, I think, just sheer driver's platform. But the 911 is the icon. It's the icon. Yeah. Yeah. So, And you can get into, I submit to you, I like the 997 better than the 991. And it's the last of the hydraulic steering 911s. So you can have, you can embrace a little bit without having to go into the crazy expensive air-cooled. You can embrace a little bit of that traditional 911 lineage and steering feel. You can get it at your budget. You can have options at your budget. You can rally that car across the U.S. If you wind up in a situation where you want to track it, fine. If you just end up commuting in it fine. I think if you're going to go Porsche at all, that is my pick for you. I have some others, but I wanted to start there.
1: I like that you did. And Andrew, I'm going to try to save you for myself, I guess, because (laughs) I agree with you. Good luck. I think at some point you are going to own a Porsche. Some variation, some Porsche is going to be in your life. I agree. But here I am, so deep in the pool and up to my eyeballs in Porsche love, maybe yes. that prevents me from looking around and you've got this opportunity to own other cars before a Porsche enters your life at some point.
0: Mm, mm.
1: I'm trying to... I Maybe I'm a foregone conclusion. Maybe I'm contradicting everything you know about me. But I love Porsches. I <laughs> Yes, you will have one. But here we go. There's so many good GT cars that we've experienced and by virtue of the show, as Todd said, we get to go drive these cars and enjoy them a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And this... There's these cars made by BMW that are so good. <laughs> okay. And with your price point, I thought, you need to take a field trip. It's recess, Andrew. Field trip over to Cincinnati, Ohio to Enthusiast Auto Group. Enthusiastauto.com. Oh, no. They're not yes. paying us. Believe me.
0: Yes. They've got But loads. you love this website. You just oh, love this love website. website. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, to start with, M3s go to the E90 series M3s for sale. So that's the E90, E93, E92. Mm-hmm. Loads of beautiful cars, and I'm looking at a 2013 manual coupe competition package with 7,000 miles on it for hmm. 60 grand. This is hmm. a new car. It's yeah, Melbourne red. Yeah, I crazy. mean, Dinan and M performance upgrades on and on and on. They've got loads of these beautiful e90 series m3s with the gorgeous v8 talk about a gt car i mean that's we've got to start there so i think go peruse that go start looking around i think you're a candidate for an m5 or an m6 speaking of gt cars i even found you possibly i even found you andrew a 2013 640i grand coupe for 54.9 now,
0: you went nuts. You went, went nuts. nuts in the BMW catalog. I did. You really did.
1: I, it's a big opportunity because, like I said, I fell backwards, and I love Porsches. I just wonder mm-hmm. if I had been in Andrew's situation knowing that, yeah, I've driven a bunch of others, you know, friends' cars, knowing, yes, that'll enter my life at some point, but I can be patient. I can just go mm-hmm. own something else. Would I have been different if I had discovered BMWs before Porsches? Or I, I don't know. Who, who knows? Mm. But I just kind of went nuts. I mean, yeah, even the new F80 or F82, M3, and M4, wow. You know, I think 60 grand might not cover those cars, but that's why I suggest the E90 series M cars. Man, just, just fantastic. And the cars at Enthusiast Auto Group are the ones you want because they're such fantastic condition, low miles. They look brand new. They are brand new, practically, and <laughs> yikes! So go check out BMWs. I mentioned the F Type from Jaguar. What else? The That's Audi on my S8. List too. Audi S8 has got to be on your list. It's a different kind of a car, but if you just want baller GT high speed,
0: what's a big? Yeah, it's your big just highway highway chewing car they're fantastic to be in they're decent to drive but that's just a cross country cruise car that's and a I very know, accurate I mean, description
1: fantastic be in, enjoyable to drive i like that
0: yeah 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 and I, and I don't know that that's the kind of driving experience andrew wants but if you are planning to chew through miles you would be hard pressed to do better than an s8 i do agree mm-hmm. with that yes i hear you the alfa romeo julia is
1: coming in a manual mm-hmm. transmission. That is right in your sweet yes, spot as well. Yes, true. And I thought of the Lexus RCF, but I I'm just going to say it's not a candidate to, for you just because, you know, knowing your list here, but I will mm-hmm. finish off with the Lotus Evora S, another car that we love. You need to go drive. We do.
0: We do. It's a fantastic car. It's uh I...
1: it's it's a possible consideration. Lotus of West Covina is uh, a wash in Evora 400s and sieges. Mm. They have zero Lotus Evora Ss right now, but I know you can find one for in that 60 range, so. Something you certainly can,
0: certainly can. Wow, that is a great uh, breadth of list. Huge, huge list. Uh, you've, huge you've, list. You've, <laughs> Well, essentially, Andrew, we're just going to read you all the cars that fit your price point, and you go decide. <laughs> no, uh, I've, I've actually got a few. You touched on a couple of them. I want to add a couple as well. Um, the uh, yeah, the Jaguar F-Type Coupe, I tried to stay, just so you know, Andrew, I tried to stay toward cars that still feel like small-ish driver's cars to me, but I know can saw through highway miles. So I didn't go for any of the bigger uh, the bigger sedans like Paul did, though I can see the merit of those. But I stayed much more two-door, traditional rear-wheel drive Fun. So I have to say, Jaguar F-Type, I would say coupe over convertible. The problem is, the, the convertible for your budget, 50 to 60 grand, all day long you can do it. The coupes haven't dropped there yet. So depending mm-hmm. upon when you're buying, it's like you'll find a coupe in your budget nationwide. So it's probably going to be a little while before the coupes drop down. I honestly, I've driven the, the S, that's the, the V6 uh, with a little extra power, but not the big V8 monster. That car's just fun. That is a fantastic. Just GT car with really good balance. I remember the back came out at one point on one corner. I was like, "Wow, that's just really controllable. It's just really well balanced. Very fun car. Recommend that." If you want to go a little more baller, you could get an Aston Martin Vantage for this money. Hmm. Now I know I was Doug wondering Demuro mentioned this
1: car. I was yeah. Wondering.
0: Doug, De, Doug Demuro, of course, has owned one for a while. I'm sure you can watch his videos where he'll make fun of everything that that has gone wrong with the car. Uh, you have to brace yourself a little bit for some maintenance there. It could run really well. But uh, there are people that have got horror stories, and, of course, Doug's going to make the most of those. Uh, but uh, you could get a Vantage, and that is an event. Those cars are really, really fun to drive. They're great to be in. And, you know, when we drove one, I remember it was amazing on a back road, uh, but yet you were aware you were just in a GT car and you could just saw through miles. I think the Vantage should be on there. I already mentioned the 997.2911. If you're going to go Porsche, that is my only car on the list for you right now. Um You said, Andrew, the GT350, and I would say all day long, if you can get one for your budget and not get gouged, uh, that is, you know, you've owned owned the Corvette. Why not get the Mustang? I I like the kind of uh, play both sides of the coin scenario there where you can have the different experience. The GT350 is awesome. And if you find yourself on a track, those brakes alone are worth it. Mm -hmm. So that's a great (laughs) one there. And then Paul went through the whole BMW catalog, but you know what? I had a moment where I almost thought, I have found your car. I almost went sniper shot on this car, and then I decided I needed a bigger list. It's a BMW Paul didn't mention. With your budget, all day long, the BMW 1M. Okay. That car is unique. Mm -hmm. And they are out there for your budget. I mean, I've got a a sheet in front of me right here. For your budget, you can get them at a range of mileage from, I'm talking like the ten, twelve thousand 12,000 mile range up to, you know, thirty, forty thousand. 40,000. People haven't put tons of miles on those. That's a special car. And it would give you not only a unique different driving experience but a good BMW experience. And they're not common, so I, I think that the 1M is a BMW to take a very serious look at.
1: That's good, although not a GT car, I wouldn't put it in that class. But I see, you know, by your description of going around more compact, kind of more, you know, less car around you, kind of thinking for the GT car rather than a big, big heavy cruiser, you know.
0: And if you found yourself doing a cross country road trip, I'll be honest, I love the Lotus Evora. I would rather cross country in the 1M than the Lotus Evora. Hmm. So okay. if, if you're okay. gonna end up road tripping like serious, and I love the Evora, I, I have very little bad to say about that car. But just if we end up in that kind of scenario, let's throw some bags and let's go saw through some miles. One M over Avora. it's just it's a better package for it.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Wow, lots of choices. Uh, okay, Andrew, the ball is in your court. Uh, <laughs> yes,
0: the massive car list if you 've been trying to take notes i 'm sorry your hand now hurts uh, right, so right. yeah anyway it 's we 've bombarded you with this there 'll be lots of rewinding for which of the fifteen hundred cars <laughs> they listed is <laughs> yeah, that one exactly yeah.
1: i 've whittled it down to the top one thousand cars I think Andrew should buy no uh, yeah, the ball's in your court hopefully uh, this gives you an opportunity, like I said, to go drive some things. And uh, let us know what you uh, what you come up with. please. Hello to all of our Dallas listeners, our Dallas friends. Thank you for listening and and uh, yeah, let's know if we kind of missed out on something for uh, for Andrew. but what an opportunity here this is this is mm-hmm. pretty cool. so moving on though to our friend Ryan in Los Angeles out in LA. This is was also chosen because it was so different, and it's not something mm-hmm. that Todd and I talk about all the time. <laughs> Specifically, open-air four-wheel drives from the 80s. That is not necessarily us.
0: It's different enough that you've set us up for failure here. You've set us up for for next podcast to have to do a correction and be like, here's what we got wrong last time. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of how you set us up. I mean, Ryan is looking for a project truck. Now, clearly, this podcast is actually named... The everyday driver project truck. So uh, yeah, this is gonna be. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do this well. This is gonna go very very well for us. Awesome.
1: Well, I thought you could speak to the Wrangler because you know you and your wife had a Wrangler for a little while and really loved Mm -hmm. it. I did think that you could speak to the fun, and that's what's appealing to Ryan here is the open air cruising with a four wheel drive. So he suggests to us. I'm wanting to find a beat up Wrangler or a Chevy K five blazer or a full size Bronco to start tinkering around with, learn about how to work on cars. It's gonna be very inexpensive. We're talking no more than thirty five hundred dollars on the initial purchase because then you're gonna have to start dumping money into, you know, whatever that is Mm -hmm. next. So, yes, we're not super fans of super cheap cars, but from a learning experience, this is is gonna be great.
0: this is a specific plan here. The mm-hmm. reason and I and I, I beat it to death because I think it needs to be repeated. The reason we're not a fan of inexpensive cars is because a lot of times when people are buying, you know, five thousand or less, they're buying five thousand less as they cling to that money and that's all they have and I need a car that's gonna be great and run. That's a <laughs> dice roll. That's not this scenario. Ryan is just going this is going to sit somewhere in a garage and I'm just gonna play with it and I'm gonna work on it and I'm gonna try stuff. Well yeah, you don't wanna spend a lot of money to dive into that kind of pool. Because it's not going to be your transportation every day, and you hope that it's going to run, and you hope you're going to learn how to do kind of everything on it. So that also means, means it needs to be a little bit older and simpler to learn all that stuff. And yeah, you're debating these three. I, um, you know, I'm going to go not only a little bit of personal bias, but I'm also going to go with what I see. Meaning, what's the car that I see around a lot from this era? Hmm, because okay. I haven't broken down a Blazer or a Bronco or a Wrangler. I haven't broken those down and tried to rebuild. I haven't been that guy. Sure. But what are the ones I see around all the time? It's the Wranglers. Yeah. I yeah. rarely see the other two. They, they, they exist. I, there's huge communities. I know that you know we're talking about our region, which is the Rockies. And, of course, there's a lot of Wranglers with every possible bit of customization you can imagine. But those old uh, four-cylinder – pardon me, four-liter, six-cylinder engines – are pretty bombproof, yeah, yeah, and they're not complex, and they were around forever until Chrysler finally killed it. For let's be candid, worse engines in the Wrangler. That four liter was in everything. It was all the way up through the one. My, my wife and I had a, a ninety seven, and it was all the way up through you know those late nineties Wranglers. Uh, so you know, lots of parts available. You can do everything you can imagine to a Wrangler, and you know, there's tons of infrastructure and forums and parts and that. I've never heard bad things about that engine, actually. So I'm going to lean Wrangler because I see them all the time and because I know that about that engine. Um, And also, I think it's the slightly smaller package of this group. Oh, definitely. So if you're going to end up doing a lot of off-roading, I think that's going to become a factor as well.
1: Now, Ryan tells us that he had a Wrangler years ago, and he regrets selling it, so interestingly, I'm with Todd on the Wrangler thing because yeah, that inline 6 is nearly bulletproof even though a lot of Wranglers in this price point have a lot of miles, but it's a project car and you're going to keep it running anyway, so it's almost kind of like who cares. I I'm with you. I like Wranglers. Yeah, the K5 Blazer is appealing just because everything will fit as you said over the 40-year span yeah. of, you know, GM building that thing or it's it's Any LEGOs, parts. yeah. It's,
0: it's, go have fun, yeah. It, uh-huh.
1: It'll bolt right on. But the Wrangler community just seems, I don't know, it just seems to be the most appealing. And there is a community. I mean, from the Moab Easter Jeep Safari all the way to mm-hmm. different off-road events. And the support for those cars, for those trucks, is huge. Massive, massive community. And so I like that. That's my top choice. But I did want to give you some others that I think would uh, just kind of... Get you thinking? If you don't want that, if you don't, if you want something more unique and less, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, less common. Yeah. Did you did you remember the International Harvester Scout? Remember I this wondered thing? if
0: you'd go there. I wondered if you'd go there. Yeah.
1: This was built from 1961 to 1980, and I just always mm-hmm. dug the boxy, squarey, truckness. I just always dug these things. They're and you cool. You don't see them around. They're in, cool. In nice yep. shape. You don't see them around. And mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, I, I don't know the community, I don't know the parts availability, I don't know what you could do, but different, totally different, and could, be a, could be a choice.
0: I had a good friend, my, one of my best friends growing up, his dad had one from the 50s, no and kidding. we used to laugh writing in that because it had springs but no dampers. Oh my I mean, gosh. That's, that's, the way the, that's the way the car was designed. And so as a result, I mean, it was so off-road focused. it had springs but no dampers. And so what was hysterical about the shock setup is that the only actual, like, damper in the car was under the driver's seat, like you would normally find in an <laughs> 18-wheeler now. So his dad would drive us places and be perfectly just bouncing, perfectly damped. And we're sitting in the back bench bouncing around no matter what he did. We were just driving around through a city. It was Houston, you know? So it was just not like we were off-road anywhere. And we just used to laugh because he would just hover above the world because his seat was taking all of it. And we're getting thundered everywhere. And that was an old, old scout. But he had kind of a constant fight to keep it running. I knew a guy here in Salt Lake that had one. He had actually a couple. And those seemed to end up being, they were like trading parts cars. Oh, this one's running right now. Oh, that broke. I'll get it off the other one. And then the other one would break. I mean, it was just, I I have not heard great reliability things about those, but they are incredibly cool. And you're right. They're very unique. I think that both the Blazer and the Bronco are going to have a lot more reliable and, and easy access parts than that Scout, but the Scout would be very cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Speaking of unique, a couple more for you that I thought of. These are random, I admit, but my brain got going on the Ford Ranchero and the El Camino. I mean, you could pick these up for super <laughs> oh, cheap, no. and they're they're oh, different. No. They're unique. You see a, the Ranchero more than the El Camino, as a matter of fact. Just wow, oh, yeah, Ford made that. That's right. You know, just totally different. <laughs> or, oh, yeah,
0: Ford made that. Thankfully, they stopped. I mean, what, it could definitely what, what be. I feel like you're doing to poor Ryan, though, is he's winding up with an El Camino on a lift kit, which is uh-huh. never good news. <laughs> that just feels engine. like that's where we are. We've got the El Camino on a lift kit with the big KC lights. And then it's like, what have I built? What has happened at the garage? What is this thing? <laughs> all, right, not all bad all bad whatever you
1: do ryan can you dump a crate motor whatever you decide on can you please put a crate <laughs> motor in this thing and just make it awesome just anyway that'll you know putting your own engine in that'll teach you a lot of things i'm sure but yeah brace um,
0: yourself for all of that fun but and, i'll come and back I'm gonna go, i'll come back to the I'm gonna also i'm going to also say to you ryan that thing we've said before and i say it because of everyone we've ever known with a project car Brace yourself for it to cost you more in money and time than you're expecting going in. You may thoroughly enjoy it. It will no doubt teach you. I hope you have a blast doing it. But just brace yourself for – I wouldn't set yourself any hard (laughs) hard stops for the amount of money or the amount of time you're spending because you'll probably just end up with a car that gets trailered off to the next owner. But I am encouraging you to just dive in and learn, and these older cars are going to make that easier. So that's really cool.
1: Plus, you're in LA. I mean, Wrangler, open top at the beach with a surfboard and babes. Yeah, I mean, bring it. This bring it. is the recipe, Ryan. I mean, Wrangler, right there. So, let us know what you think, and uh, hopefully, I, that's helpful. I've
0: never shared. I've never shared the uh, the Wrangler theory that I have on this podcast. I think you I?
1: should share the Wrangler theory. Actually, you've never shared here's, it.
0: Here's here's the Wrangler theory, and I don't. I, I'm not going to claim I came up with this. I feel like I heard this somewhere, but I honestly forget where. And with few exceptions, I feel like this theory always holds true. If you see a wrangler, if you see a wrangler being driven by a woman, this is specifically about women in wranglers. If you see a wrangler being driven by a woman, uh, obviously, as we know, wranglers, you can keep taking pieces off the car. You could drive with just the windshield on the roll, roll cage if you want. No doors, nothing. It seems to me... That the more pieces of the car that are removed, the more attractive the girl behind the wheel. And I'm not suggesting that the pieces coming off the car make the girl more attractive. I'm just saying uh, if, if she's very unattractive, that is a Wrangler with every possible piece on it. And if she's incredibly <laughs> attractive, it's just the windshield and the roll cage. Yeah. Uh, so there's, that seems to be the, the case. And it's actually – I've seen variations on this. Where it's like there's no top, but the doors are on she's kind of attractive. I've <laughs> actually hilarious. seen that. I've actually seen that happen. It's the weirdest thing on the planet, you know? That's so funny. I, I test, test the Wrangler theory in your hometown, uh, but uh, that seems to have held pretty true. Granted, living in Los Angeles, that was more easy to test than it was living in Salt Lake, because in Los Angeles, of course, it's kind of nice weather all the time. So you could drive your Jeep with however many parts of the car you decided at any moment. But uh, that's the Wrangler theory.
1: I love it. I love it. All right, Ryan, let us know. Thank you so much for writing in. And if you've got your own car debate, Everyday Driver TV at Gmail or the website, you can go on there. And we're starting to get, as I said before, a lot of listener requests on, uh, on the email from uh, – or on the website, uh, just people writing in. So – Mm-hmm. You can communicate with us that way. And uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool, just kind of different. we never gotten to, you've never gotten to tell the Wrangler theory. I, I love it that's
0: true the, the, the upside there was I got to tell the Wranglers theory the downside is that now we will hear from the uh, the Blazer <laughs> the Bronco and the Wrangler communities and next podcast we will apologize but anyway uh, <laughs> we should go on to Facebook questions you guys gave us a lot of them on the last couple of uh, podcast announcements so we actually didn't ask for new ones this week we're recording this a bit early for uh, for travel stuff uh, and Yeah, another reminder this Friday we will not have a podcast we will be back the following week with two as normal and hopefully even to the week we are in Germany. So uh, we're looking forward to doing all of that. I picked out a couple. Uh, our friend uh, Richard Durham from uh, from England, he's been with us a long time, listening for a long time. Thank you, Richard, for listening. And I know you wanted to join us on Pilgrimage this year. Hopefully in a year to come you will join us. Uh, I know that was something you were trying to work out. It didn't work out this year. Totally get it. But you wrote in and said, okay, you did the either or question, which we love, the would you rather question. You said, would you rather a do everything car or the beat-around, as you describe it, the banger car, and also a dedicated fun car? Which? The car that does it all or the car that is utility car followed by the focus car? Which scenario is preferable?
1: Hmm. This is an interesting question because I think it depends on where you live. And I'm thinking about hmm. my time living in L.A. I might have leaned more towards the fun, do everything, because of the weather. It's great all the time. In February, it's sure. 70 degrees. You can go, you know fun mountain roads, you can go track driving, you can take it to the mm-hmm. store. But now living in a winter climate, I'm leaning more towards the beat-up car and a dedicated fun car that is the special occasion for the, when the weather's nice. I I, yeah. I don't know why. I guess it's just a weather thing and you know, the Midwest, a lot of people do that. You know, I know mm-hmm. guys in Detroit doing that very thing, the Camaros and Corvettes definitely sit in the garage. They make their appearance during the Woodward Dream Cruise, of course. But no, you know what I mean. They're just tucked away and they drive the, you know, they might work in the auto industry and they just get the A-plan pricing on a beat up whatever and it's a Jetta Mm -hmm. or a Focus or a whatever. And they're doing that. And so now living in more of the snowy climate, I'm leaning towards the dedicated fun car because it's like the anticipation. It's like having a vacation or a trip to look forward to. You're just anticipating that. that. You walk into the garage, Every day, and you go, oh yes, I can't wait to you know do blank, you plan a trip or a track day or whatever that is. So yeah, I'm leaning yeah, towards yeah. the the banger and uh, a dedicated fun car to your question here. Well,
0: so. I'm, I'm uh, I, I like this question, question, Richard, and I agree with Paul's kind of life changes, and you keep looking at this differently. And I, I was very much of the demeanor in L. A. Let's I'm only going to be able to afford one car. Let's have it. I think the, the secondary question here is though, do you have the money and the space to have more than one car? That is the first problem of this rabbit trail, Uh, but I am also going to use it as a ski analogy. One of the the cool things about skiing, if you can do it, or climbing or whatever, is the right tool for the job. You know, Mm. you can have one pair of skis that's great for everything, but if you can have a pair, I don't, by the way, but if you can have a pair that's just my powder skis or just my ice spring skiing, there's a lot of rock skis. Oh, and these are my skis for all mountain, whatever. If you can do that, you're going to have more fun on each of those days. Because you're not, you know, you're not using your nice skis on a day that's really rocky, vice versa. So I'm going to leave the analogy now and say I would rather do the two-car scenario. But being the guy that I am, the beat-up car... Would essentially just be a car that is still a fun car that I'm not worried about and I got it cheap. It wouldn't be, it would never be the buy the rusted out Corolla. I'd still find something that was still a fun car that was inexpensive and now I don't have to be precious about it. Oh, look, it got dented by a mountain bike. Oh, it got muddy this week. Oh, the snow is terrible outside. Sure. I don't care. Sure. Yeah. But I still like being in it. But then that allows me to have a very focused, special car that is designed for just one thing, and that is to go out and be driven, enjoyed, and driven hard. It can be kept more precious. It doesn't have to worry about, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? Whatever. I'm just going to go drive it. I prefer the two-car scenario if I can check those boxes.
1: I kind of feel like the Saburo was that car in your life had you gotten into something like a Lotus Elise. I bet you you would have hung on to the Saburo and just Mm -hmm. kept – it's the beater. It's the winter commuter. I don't care whatever happens to it. Fine.
0: And it was but you've got genuinely fun to drive. Or yeah, whatever yeah, else. Yeah.
1: I kind of felt like that totally would agree. have been your sweet spot. If, uh, I think if I, if I think if
0: I financially could have swung to keep the uh, the Sabaru and get something like a Lotus, if I could have made a jump like that at the time I got the FRS, I think I would have done so. But it just wasn't a financial reality. But I, I would have loved to because that the Saab was, I mean, it wasn't worth much, and it still ran pretty well. It needed some work put into it, but of course it did. I mean, I sold it for six grand. It needed some work. I, that's just, I mean, I had almost two hundred thousand miles and yeah. it was still fun to drive. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. It would have been that kind of thing because that car would have been perfect as a, ah, well, look. That's dirty. Okay, whatever. You whatever. Know. You know, uh, still fun. Yeah.
1: Dog gets in it. Muddy feet. Whatever. Who cares, right? Well, All that, right.
0: that Sabru had the, that parchment-colored uh, interior. That, oh, yeah, that I swear to you, disaster. it's just—it <laughs> was impossible to keep clean. So at some point, you just, as an owner, you just throw up your hands and just go, "Guess what? The seats are dirty. Deal." No. Yeah. I mean it's just there's no I keep sending me products. they will keep not not staying ahead of the problem, so yeah, it was just ridiculous.
1: Michael George Newson asks us, what are some of your personal bad driving habits, and uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about this question here, michael <laughs> The way you phrase the question indicates that you feel like we have more than one. What the heck? <laughs> What are some of your long laundry list of bad driving habits? What do you mean? What are you, you talking guys, about?
0: You guys are terrible behind the wheel. Would you mind sharing the things you've actually realized? Yeah. yeah that's funny.
1: So I'm, I'm about to admit a couple of things that I do. You might think, oh, as uh, journalists and drivers, we never do anything wrong. That isn't the case. So oh, I hardly. will admit two of them to you. The first one is uh, it's speeding, it's not Whoa, something yeah. I'm about to elaborate on, but guess what's parked in the garage? <laughs> so yeah. I think you can put all that together. I, uh, Funny enough, though, after moving to Utah and owning the Jeep, I actually slowed down quite a bit, because I felt like I'm in a, a big, lumbering you SUV, and I just, whatever, it's just cruise along mode. Yeah, but now having a really fast car back in my life, it's
0: <laughs>
1: I it's speeding. And I admit it, I'm not going to elaborate
0: more on that. But, uh well, but also, it was interesting to watch you specifically because when we go back to l a the reverse happens when you got into a scenario where you had less traffic, you got less aggressive, and you yeah. got just slower and more casual about it very and true. and this this environment doesn't have as much traffic now. If you drop into Los Angeles, uh, as if it, it almost sometimes feels like we're parachuting into Los Angeles when we come in to do a shoot. When, when we drop into Los Angeles, we wind up in a press car. Paul is instantly back into, I know how to drive in L.A., and I'm an aggressive shark. And it works very well. He can commute massively fast <laughs> wow. across Los Angeles. But at the same time... But and I do too. I, I, look, I'm not just picking on Paul here. I have an L.A. driving setting that somehow clicks in my brain when you hit that traffic. You can pull out of LAX and you go, "Oh, that's right, we're doing this." So uh, yeah, it's a very different demeanor. <laughs> we're doing this, um, oh yeah. And I and Gosh. I will say that speaks to this. I found when I moved to Utah, I tailgated too much, and I have yeah. I have backed off from that. And what I realized is it's the difference in people's tolerance levels. And I, I'm not blaming anybody else. I'm just saying in LA, the person in front of you kind of expects you to be tied to their bumper.
1: <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, I've got a backpack on. Fine.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Utah's not ready for that. And then Utah has that terrible thing we've talked about before that is my all time least favorite driving weird thing that people do, and I never saw it in LA, but I do see it in Utah, and that is the brake check maneuver, which is topping the list of things I hate that are dangerous. But people here are known to do that. Now, I've never actually had that happen to me when I was tailgating, thankfully, but one of the reasons that I started backing off was I realized I'm the only one driving at this distance. And that was totally programming from Los Angeles. And I backed off quite a bit as a result of that. Yeah. Because um, it was just a, my my level of tolerance for spacing. Plus, with the way you and I shoot, we get cars very close to each other when we shoot anyway. <laughs> yeah, when people ride with so, us, they're discarding have,
1: we, unused upholstery out of the car. Yeah.
0: We have a we an incredibly tight tolerance for how close cars could be, and we're okay with it. So I've had to really be careful on that and to kind of consciously think about, no, 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 no. I'm just going to give everybody more space. That's certainly something that's been bad for me.
1: Yeah, and picking up with that thread, it's uh, – I just – I'm going to go into this thing about the left lane camping.
0: Oh, it's awful. It's awful. It's,
1: it's even worse, I feel like, in Utah. People just oblivious it is. It to is. Yeah. camping out in the left lane. And this is the passing lane, people, still everywhere. It's the passing lane. Well but
0: I'm gonna go you one further. <sighs> I think in LA I think in LA the problem is obliviousness. I think in Utah it's pride. I, I think, you think I think so? there is a thing in the US I do. I think there's a thing in the US uh, something about US drivers where We believe, and and this is not just Utah, I think in general it exists, I just think in LA people are more oblivious, they're just doing whatever, they're in a bubble, and that's why they wind up in the left lane not realizing there's people behind them, because they don't actually realize there's people behind them. I think in Utah and Texas and other states that I've driven where people hang out in the left lane, I've seen it in Colorado and lots of other places, I think it's people are driving and they're in the left lane and we've been programmed, not that the left lane is for passing, we've been told in driver's ed even, the left lane is the fast lane. Yeah. So as drivers, oh, I'm yeah. going. I'm going fast, and I, I I believe I'm going fast. So if I, I'm going fast enough, and I belong in the fast lane, the speed limit is 55. I'm going 56. That is plenty fast enough. I'm in the fast lane, and it's this prideful thing of I'm just going to keep everybody behind me. There's no reason for you to have to go any faster than me. You need to go around me, which is this weird prideful thing. And I, I'll be perfectly honest. I'm a fast driver, but if I see somebody coming up behind me, I get over. If you're the big dog and you want to go five miles an hour, ten miles an hour faster than me, you know what? Have at it. Because I'm generally not, I'm generally going quick anyway. So if you want to go faster still, it's yours, man. Take it.
1: Agreed, agreed. So, Michael, my bad habit with the campers, the left lane campers, is to show them my headlight in their side mirror. So therefore, I'm on the line all the way over, just (laughs) camped out going. Could no, you please, no, could no. you just, could you get, could you come on, please let me buy. I just want to get by. I There's nothing else that I want to do but just pass you. Could you please pull over? I'm hoping that's the message, but it never comes across that way. And that's a bad habit of mine. I admit it. And yeah. I just, I'm trying to make you see me, but to your point, <laughs> I think they do. And they're going, ah, I'll show this turkey. You know. I think
0: I think a lot of the time it's people's. Even if they aren't purposely trying to keep people behind them, it's people's belief, I'm driving fast, I belong in the fast lane. Yeah. Which yeah. is poor driver It's poor driver training, frankly. The driver training should be, if you are over there, it's because you are passing those around you. And if you're not yeah. passing those around you, get out of that lane. That should be how we're taught and we're not, and that's too bad.
1: And Tom is informed of that in Germany. He's informed us, hey, don't hang out because our habits are instantly recognizable to him because mm-hmm. everybody does not hang out in the fast lane. They use it, and then they get out of it. They get back over. Because there is always somebody faster than you, especially mm-hmm. in Germany. I mean, I well, guarantee you. Well, the other you. thing
0: that you and I had to really think about in driving in Germany, because it's programmed into us because of people that sit in the left lane in the US, you and I, and I mean everybody that drives, we're OK with passing on the right. If that person yeah. can't long oh, enough, yeah. what do you do? You pass them on the right. Not in Germany, you don't. There is no passing on the right. Period. Doesn't happen. Yep. So I remember there were many times where I intellectually I, I didn't ever pass anybody on the right in Germany driving on the roads. Um, and I, but I remember at a couple of times while driving in the left lane, and I realized my instinct was, oh, I'm just going to go around this person. And then the voice in the back of my head was, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're in the left lane. They get it. They will pull right. Mm -hmm. Stay right here. It's going to be fine. They will pull over. But I would just get up behind somebody and go, oh, well, I could just go around. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm staying right here, which is different driving instruction again. So, yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: I wanted to speak to Jonathan Brown's uh, uh, question that he asked. He made a comment where he said he's seeing testing about the uh, the Grand Sport Corvette at VIR uh, running with uh, 911 GT3s and McLarens and these kind of things. And he's saying, okay, so clearly this is a very quick car. What I liked, though, Jonathan, was the second part of your question. You said, this is not a rear or a mid-engine car. If this car is this good, because, of course, the rumors continue that there will be a mid-engine Corvette. So his comment is, if this car is this good with a front-engine traditional layout that Corvettes have always had, why change it? Is it even necessary? That's the part of this question I really like, Jonathan.
1: I'm intrigued by this, too. Yeah, I, I've got I, thoughts. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you the first thing about this for me, Jonathan the corvette has a perception problem it just does the c7 is a fantastic vehicle there is there is actually nothing you can take away from the c7 it's just a fantastic vehicle full stop we're done period that's the whole argument but the problem that the corvette has is it just it has the same kind of perception problem that the miata does nobody out there that has actually driven a miata hard is going to say to you that is a bad driver's car not true Great driver's car, good track car, go get a Miata. But yet its perception is, well, that's a terrible car. Nobody really that likes driving or knows anything about cars drives that. You clearly, sir, haven't driven one. Over here you have the Corvette. Oh, that's not a real sports car. Yes, it is. I will submit this to you. The Corvette needs to go mid-engine because it's the only way it's going to seem exotic. It uh, it just it hangs out in this perception of that is old muscle car technology and it hasn't really come to play. If it wound up mid-engined, it would now seem exotic enough that if the, if, even if the performance that they have in the current C7 didn't change at all and that car was mid-engined, I submit to you that people would now take it more seriously perception-wise, not reality.
1: Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more, as a matter of fact. I am super intrigued by this question. And the designer in me says, well, <coughs> think about the generations C8 or C9. What are they going to look like? If we continue along with the same recipe and the mm-hmm, same packaging, mm-hmm. what is the styling going to look like? Oh, well, it got softer. Oh, it got a little sharper. Oh, we put a little different detail here. Oh, well, we changed to octagonal headlights this time or,
0: or yeah, rear taillights. lights. can too far.
1: You're right. Yeah, yeah. How many more iterations of this recipe are we going to see that are going to mm-hmm. make it seem different and then tying into your comment about, wow, that's an exotic because what car can you name me from GM competes against Ford's GT? Their brand new GT. That is the yeah, Halo. Nothing, nothing. That is a yeah. hyper car.
0: It's not a supercar. Yeah, it is. You're it's absolutely in the stratosphere right. now. Mm-hmm. So what You're from GM
1: right. are they building that competes like that? And they still have mm-hmm. the Mustang. You can still do that. But Chevy yeah. has the Camaro. So the Corvette needs to get really exotic, and it needs to do it soon. Mm-hmm. And yes it 's a world class platform. it has proved that time and again in the Lamas series racing yeah, it 's a yeah. fantastic car, but let 's really take it to the next level and I bet g m can do it they 've got the talent they 've got the wherewithal. they could do yeah. this and turn the Corvette into something wow, really desirable instead of hey, a corvette, I wonder how old the driver is in that car yep, sure enough, and
0: that 's the perception well, but you you brought up another point i hadn 't even thought about it the fact it 's not even just the fact that that Ford has that GT it's the fact that the GT has gone so stratospheric in price and in just yep. exoticness if you will it's got it's given itself space from the Mustang <laughs> yep. whereas the Corvette is starting to get overlapped by their own uh, sibling the Camaro Correct. so the answer yes. in that regard is we got to push the vet higher to get it away uh, I, and to make it exotic i think that's an interesting point years. i really like that
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always been rumors. Every generation, oh, I wonder if it's mid-engine. They need to go ahead and do that. Because, listen, the next gen, the, the slight updates to the C7, yawn. It's a great car. We like it. But yawn, what's it going to look like? Yeah, More well, it's it's a
0: fantastic same. car. It's Unfortunately, the C7, which honestly is one of those cars in my personal best list, it's a great car. I it love is. the C7. It is. the The problem is it's a car that... I'm standing in a bar now explaining why I own a C7 the same way I'm explaining why I own a Miata mm-hmm. because I know how good it is. And the person I'm talking to that doesn't know cars as well thinks I'm an idiot. You end up in that conversation. Sure. The, you don't end up in that conversation in the GT350 Mustang. You don't. I mean, it, somebody looks at that thing and goes, that looks like a pretty cool Mustang. And they don't even know Mustangs. I mean, it, so the the Corvette has this problem. And that's too bad because it is such a world beater, especially at the price point. And that's the other problem is that the Corvette continue The, the argument keeps being, yeah, but look at how much cheaper it is than all the stuff it beats.
1: It's the okay. same problem Nissan has with their GTR. It'll never get invited to the Ferrari party, ever. Yeah, Fair point. It's a world-class machine that has proven itself time and again. It's Mm -hmm, now mm -hmm. title holder of the world's fastest car, the most horsepower, 2 million horsepower, whatever it's got now. (laughs) Okay, I take your point. It doesn't look exotic anymore. And yes, many enthusiasts can afford it. But when you throw that up against the latest from Porsche, McLaren, Ferrari, it's at the back of the pack just in terms of appeal
0: not to yeah, mention the prestige style, and the perception of it and that's the, the problem that the corvette struggles under and i like that question a, a lot jonathan it got us yeah it, it got us uh really pondering it and i i would love to see that mid-engine corvette and I'd lo- i know this sounds crazy i'd love to see the 150 two hundred thousand dollar mid mid-engine corvette get, Absolutely. It get it away from the camaro it is a whole new animal and have it have if it had this exact same performance how awesome would that be but the C7's great. <laughs> yeah. Anyway.
1: And, uh, yeah, GM, you say you can do good interiors. Prove it. Let's really see amazing interiors on your quarter million dollar hypercar, Corvette, whatever it is. Yeah,
0: that's fair. That's fair. I mean, the C7's a vast improvement. But if you're going to charge that much, you gotta you got to come to play. That's yep. very interesting. Yep. Thanks for that, Jonathan. Do you have any other Facebook questions or you want to wrap it up?
1: Real quick, Spencer Hall is asking if we have any interest reviewing the Jaguar F-Pace, and yes, that is an affirmative. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we do. As a matter of fact, I've considered about, uh, you know, could that be a replacement for the Grand Cherokee? I'm just, just wondering. Yes, I
0: know. I know you have. You keep talking about that. Yep. Just wondering.
1: Starting to see him around. I have a lot of interest, as a matter of fact, and this winter – We have actually talked more about our press fleet contacts, about doing more winter driving stuff with some SUVs, light SUVs. It's not something we've traditionally really gotten much into. And the buying Mm -hmm. requirements certainly are different, but we do have a lot of good snowy climate here. We've got ski areas. We've got a lot of cool shooting areas. And uh, a lot of car manufacturers, Porsche included, are talking about doing more Mm
0: winter-focused
1: driving activities. I mean, it seems like every manufacturer is going after the SUV market, We mentioned on the last podcast, Alfa Romeo is ditching the spider in favor of SUVs, SUVs. So it grows. It continues to grow. So we want to start getting a little bit more into that, acknowledging them more, trying them out a little bit more, and expanding our own repertoire because they do have a place in our lives. So yeah, we do have a lot of interest in the Jaguar F-Pace, and uh, hopefully that's forthcoming. But We want to definitely get in. I will
0: happily, happily bounce around in the snow in a press car. That sounds like a good afternoon right there for sure. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does.
1: All right. Well, we'll wrap things up there, guys. Uh, Huge thanks. We are so thrilled to have you with us, as we keep saying. But you know what? We mean it. And it's only you that does the rating and reviewing to push us into the top 10 or top 5 all the time, consistently. Yep.
0: We have, we have doubled our audience size in this calendar year, guys, and that's entirely due to you guys rating and sharing and reviewing, and that gets us up in that top five, and uh, we love having you with us. So thank you. Again, no podcast this Friday, but two again next week. If any major car news happens this week, uh, oops, Uh, we are recording this a little bit before Tuesday. So if any big car news happens, we promise to cover it with you uh, next time and keep those Facebook questions coming. We'll keep letting you know when to post those. And, of course, Car Debates are Everyday Driver TV at Gmail. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.